0: This is Brain Diet, a life coaching podcast, episode number 83. I'm Taylor Ann Macy, and you are listening to Brain Diet, where we feed your brain good information. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Brain Diet. Thank you so much for being here. I said a while back that I am... Looking to reach the goal of getting 100 reviews on this podcast. And we are still working on that, actively getting reviews. And I want to ask you if you haven't left one, to leave one. I was thinking the other day about how much I depend on reviews on Amazon. If I'm buying something, I'm always looking at how many reviews does it have. And the other day, I was like, how often do I actually review something? Like, I'm depending on these reviews, but how often do I actually say what's important to me? And there are so many things in the world that I love. I want to review so that people can have more material to know to buy this thing that I love. (laughs) And so if you love this podcast, leaving it a review helps other people find it. So if you haven't, please do. And if you have, thank you. I know I say that a lot, but I really appreciate when you take the time to leave a review for the podcast to be able to help it reach more people and also to connect with me. So I love that so much. Today's topic that we are diving into is when the urge to emotionally eat is strong. Do you know what I'm talking about? When at the end of the day, if you're feeling extremely stressed and all you want to do is just go to your pantry and grab something to munch on, or when you're feeling overwhelmed and all you want is like the comfort food from your childhood peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or mac and cheese or something along those lines. You know those moments when you feel uncomfortable and all you want to do is just go eat. That's what we're talking about today, is when that urge to go emotionally eat is really strong. If I were to define urge for you, what an urge is, the most basic definition is a primitive emotion caused by our thoughts that often lead us to numb. Believe it or not, we all numb our feelings. We may not do it compulsively and chronically, which is usually much more in line with addiction when you're doing something compulsively and chronically. So we may not do that, but we still do it. Even if we're not doing it compulsively and chronically, it doesn't mean that we aren't numbing our emotions in some way. Numbing our emotions can range from doing illegal drugs to having an unplanned di- after-dinner dessert. All of that counts as numbing because what it's doing is trying to prevent you from feeling what's true. It's trying to prevent you from experiencing your life the way that it's happening. It's acting as a block between you and your life. We have a lot available to us to numb our emotions, which makes it really easy for us to do so. I think that's why most of us, if not all of us, do this to some degrees because it's so easy to do it. When we have the desire, the urge to eat emotionally, when we aren't physically hungry, that comes from the primal brain. We have a part of our brain, this primal brain, that doesn't think of future consequences. All it has in mind is what's good right now, and no matter what the cost, how can I get it? That primal brain is saying, I'm uncomfortable right now and I don't wanna be, and I know there's something that can immediately take this away temporarily. And so even if there is a consequence on the back end, that primal brain doesn't think that way. So urges come from that primal part of our brain that is living strictly in the moment. The downside of numbing our emotions is that when we numb negative emotions, it also dulls the experience of positive emotions. Brene Brown says, we can't selectively numb emotion. Numb the dark and you numb the light. I think this is fascinating. Most of us think that there are no consequences when we numb our emotions. But really, there are. There are back-end consequences in some form for most things that we do to numb ourselves. (laughs) And when we do that, we can also dull the experience of the positive emotions in our lives. The hit that you get from numbing. So when you emotionally eat, you get that dopamine hit. I refer to that as a false pleasure. It's pleasure in the moment, but it's only blocking you from the truth. It's brain substance manipulation overeating, overspending, overscrolling, those are all false pleasures in that they only serve as a block between you and your life, between you and your emotions. It's kind of like you get the rush of buying a new car that you can't afford. Like if you're like, oh, I can't afford that, but let's just buy it. And you get so excited and you get this hit from buying the car. But then on the back end, you're left with having to deal with the payment later that you can't afford. Or there's the excitement over eating a burger and a bowl of ice cream. It's like in the moment when maybe you hadn't planned for it, but then you're feeling something emotionally that you don't want to feel. So then you get excited to eat those things. And in the moment, it feels so good and you get that dopamine hit. But then later, there's just feeling sick and potential weight gain. Now, burgers and ice cream, you can absolutely have if they're planned and if you do it in the right way, that will serve you. But when you are doing it in response to an emotion in order to not feel it, that's when you have the back end problems. True pleasure is true at its core. There's no back end of problems when we experience true pleasures. There's nothing that you are blocking yourself from. And true pleasures are much more subtle. These false pleasures are high highs and low lows. You get the high high of the hit from the food or the hit from the scrolling or the hit from the spending. And then you get the low low of having to deal with the consequence later. Whereas true pleasures, it's more of just like rolling hills. True pleasure is like the pleasure that you get from eating an apple or from going on a walk or from feeling healthy and strong after exercising. It's much more subtle compared to these other false pleasures that in the moment you get a large hit from. But there is honesty and authenticity in living life through the true pleasures. You get to experience your life truly as it is instead of experiencing this false version that comes from the numbing activities. You can numb your life or you can live your life. One is behind food and screens, and the other is what's actually true without back-end consequences. And the truth is, when you experience the truth of your life, that means positive and negative emotions together. Our experience as humans includes positive and negative emotions. And getting to experience them as they are without trying to block yourself from them, that's true living. More than anything, it's the why Behind what you are doing, you can eat a sugar cookie because they're the most delicious dessert in the world, or you can cram the entire cookie in your mouth in 60 seconds without even tasting it in a frantic effort to soothe yourself. You can be on social media and be energized by the community and be ready to get back to work, or you can scroll on social media because you're avoiding facing what's happening in your actual life. So, Any behavior can technically be a way to numb. I think there are just more common ones that we use with scrolling and food and spending. But anything that you use, if the reason why you are doing it is to avoid feeling something, to avoid another part of your life, you are numbing yourself in a way. And this is why I am so passionate about helping people lose weight because it is one of the largest platforms to uncover all of this work. If you want to really figure out where you are numbing yourself, where you are depending on false pleasures instead of experiencing your life, if you really want to know where your work is to be done, try to lose weight, (laughs) at least in the way that I coach. There is so much to uncover when you start to look at the reason why you are behaving towards food. And once you can uncover that and work through it, then it just spills over into every other area of your life food is just the symptom. It's not the problem. It's not the reason that you are gaining weight. I mean, sure, the calories might be the ones that are creating the weight gain, but the reason that you're eating in the first place, that is the problem. That is the root problem that needs to be solved in order to create freedom around food. And then when you're free from food and you don't depend on it to numb yourself from your life, you have developed the skill to not numb yourself and to be able to live your life truly and authentically as it is apart from food and everything else. That's why these skills within coaching have so little to do with weight loss. I mean, it has a lot to do with weight loss, but it has so much more to do with the internal work. Let's get into what to do when the urge to emotionally eat is really strong. When you are in that moment of like, ooh, I wanna eat, or this can be applied to overscrolling, overspending, like, ooh, I wanna buy this, ooh, I wanna grab my phone. These are tips that you can implement that will help you learn how to be with this urge instead of continue these numbing behaviors. I also want to add that when you start doing this, if you have never done this before, if you have never worked on your numbing behaviors, and if you have never paid attention to your urges, in the beginning they will be bigger and a little bit more noticeable. What happens is when your brain offers a thought that creates an urge and then you satisfy it by eating, it's like, oh, that sounds good. And then I have an urge. And then you eat the food. And then that satisfies the urge. It reinforces that neural pathway. So when you start to interrupt that neural pathway by having the urge and then not acting on it, in the beginning, your brain is going to have a little bit of a freak out because it's not used to that. And it usually gets rewarded when it offers this thought and this urge. So in the beginning, be patient with yourself and understand that they will be bigger and harder urges, but that doesn't mean that they're impossible to feel. And that doesn't mean that you aren't capable of feeling them. It's just a little bit of discomfort in the moment that's going to be at the forefront of your awareness, but that's nothing you can't handle. What happens over time is the less that you reinforce this neural pathway, the less you reinforce the urge by satisfying it, by giving it the food that it wants, it decreases in strength. Urges decrease substantially when the neural pathway doesn't get rewarded. And this is what's so fabulous and amazing about the brain is that You can retrain it to not have certain thought patterns if you work enough on them to show your brain, hey, this isn't going to get rewarded every single time you offer it. So then the brain's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to offer this kicking and screaming urge anymore because it's not getting rewarded, so I might as well look for something else to get rewarded. So in the beginning, have patience with yourself and try these tools that I'm going to share with you today and trust that they will work and that you will get better at this. This is a skill that you are developing and learning how to not satisfy your urges. I kind of like to compare it to in the beginning, these urges are kind of like a school bell where it's like loud and you kind of jump a little bit and you're like, oh, okay, I, I noticed that. That's very, very loud. Then once you do it enough times, the urges become more like a gentle nudge where it's not that loud, but you just notice it and it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, I, I can see that it's there. It's like feeling a breeze or something that's a bit cold once you do this work enough or the other example that I think of when it comes to managing urges is I've been doing swim lessons with my kids, or I have put my kids in swim lessons. And the first probably five lessons, both of my kids lost their minds every single time they had to get in the water. So they were learning a skill of swimming and they would freak out, like screaming, screaming, screaming. You they, you would think that they were dying. They thought they were dying. And this is because it was totally new. It was a different environment. It was some different sensations that they weren't accustomed to. And ironically, them freaking out made it so much worse, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But as they were learning this new skill, it was really noticeable and scary. But after 20 lessons, they both can jump in the water and they don't freak out and they're swimming and they're doing such a good job. But it took enough times of being willing to get in the water and be a little bit uncomfortable and be out of their comfort zone and to push themselves a little bit to be able to get to the level of, I can jump in the water and be fine. I can be a little bit cold and it's not a big deal. This is what we have to do with urges. So let's say you have made your plan for what to eat for the following day. If you're not familiar with me, planning is a huge part. Planning your meals is so important when it comes to shifting the way that you relate to food. And the reason behind this is because of the part of your brain that you use when you plan your food. If you remember me talking about that primal brain, that primal brain is like living in the moment, eating whatever sounds good, whatever is going to make us feel the best. The prefrontal cortex, the higher thinking, the higher functioning part of our brain is the one that can say, I'm going to plan this food tomorrow. I'm going to put all of these foods on the plan tomorrow, even if they are treats and you know, quote unquote junk food. If you are planning it, your experience of eating it becomes very different than having an urge in the moment and satisfying it. So let's say you've made your plan and then someone brings in a treat at work or it's the end of the day and everything starts to quiet down and you just want to relax. Or let's say you've made your plan, but it's the weekend and in your mind that means something. What happens is then you have this urge like, oh, I want to eat something even though I didn't plan for it and even though I might not be physically hungry this is the moment that I want you to implement these tips that I'm going to share with you today. The first is called urge surfing. On Instagram, there is this therapist that's amazing. and Her name is Tiffany Rowe. She's brilliant. And she was the one that introduced this concept of urge surfing. And it's similar to what I've taught, but I love the title urge surfing because that visual image totally applies to what we do when we are experiencing an urge and how to ride the wave, if you will. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you need to act on it so if you feel the urge to grab the cookie in front of you and eat it you do not need to act on that nothing is making you act no matter how strong the urge nothing can make you do anything you are always the one in charge so what that means is that we've got some really good news here when you have that urge to act on something to to satisfy, to emotionally eat. You can learn to sit with them without acting on them. This is a skill that applies across the board. All urges have a beginning, a peak, and an end. Just like a wave. If you imagine when a wave starts to like brew out there and then it starts to crest, is that the word? And then it like crashes and goes up onto the beach and then the wave is finished. This is how urges work. And ironically, the way to get through an urge is to be completely okay with it being there. The second we drop into like, okay, I want this wave to go faster, or I want to get to the beach sooner, then it's like we just get stuck out in the water. But what we have to do is just be like, I'm just riding a wave. I'm just letting it take the lead. And I'm just going to sit with this wave. So notice where it is in your body that you feel this urge and pay attention to it. Like, is it in your chest? That you feel this urge? Is it in your throat? Is it in your hands? Where in your body are you feeling this urge? And watch what happens because your brain might want to give it a label. Your brain might want to have a thought about this urge that's negative. It might want to have a thought like, this is terrible, or I shouldn't be feeling this, or I hate this. And those labels just compound the discomfort. This is why imagining an urge like a wave is so powerful because there's nothing wrong with a wave. A wave is such a beautiful part of nature that you just get to ride and enjoy and we don't argue with it. We don't think it should be further back or further up or higher or lower. We just kind of ride it, right? So don't let your brain give labels to the urge when you're having it. Just notice it. Pay attention to it and be present with it. Be the watcher of this urge. If you were outside of you and watching this urge happen in your body, what would that look like? What would you see? What would you notice? And then you just surf the urge like the wave. You ride it. And you kind of just come together with it. So that imagery is so awesome because we can just ride urges like waves. I love that. So thank you, Tiffany Rowe, for that idea. The second tip is to take 30 minutes and then redecide. So say you have the urge to eat a treat that you didn't plan. Instead of saying, I can't and I won't. A way that I like to approach it is just to table the decision for a minute. Or rather 30 minutes to say, you know what? I have this urge to eat this and I really want to eat it right now but what I'm going to do is I'm just going to table the urge for 30 minutes and then I'm going to redecide if I want this thing. I do this when I go shopping, when I make shopping decisions, when I haven't necessarily planned to buy something and maybe we are trying to save. If I see it in store at Lululemon and I love it, I tell myself I'm going to go home and Think about it on my drive home. And if by the time I get home, I'm sure that I really want it, then I will get online and buy it. Sometimes I get home and I don't buy it. And I'm like, you know what? Now that I've thought about it, now that I've kind of let that urge dissipate, I've decided I don't want it. But sometimes I do buy it. Sometimes I get home and I'm like, you know what? No, I really do want that Lululemon. I love Lululemon, and if I could live in that store and wear every single thing, I, I would. <laughs> but I have to be mindful with my decisions and how I spend my money at Lululemon. Otherwise, I would go bankrupt. This is what we can do when we have the urge to emotionally eat. Take 30 minutes and then reassess, because sometimes you will decide, you know what, I'm not going to eat. I de- I redecided I'm, I'm not going to have that thing that I had the urge for. Other times, maybe you will eat it, and that's Okay. Because at least you are giving yourself some space between you and the urge and then making the conscious decision, you know what? I am going to eat this right now. It's a very different experience when you allow your brain to go through that resting period and then to remake that decision. The third tip is to put it on your plan for the next day, meaning if you have a surprise treat and you're like, oh my gosh, someone brought my favorite kind of cupcakes in at work today and you really want one, but you're like, oh, but I didn't plan for it, then put it on your plan for the next day. You can take some of those cupcakes home, you can keep them safe and sound, and the following day, you can have them written down, however many you want to eat, and that way, again, you are making the decision from your prefrontal cortex. What happens is the emotional experience of eating in response to an urge, you get that dopamine hit. And so the brain thinks that the food is really what's so awesome, but then when you eat it the next day, I mean, it will still taste amazing, but because you are eating it from a plan and not in response to an urge, the physical experience of eating the food is completely different. What that does is teach your brain, wait a minute, the food isn't actually what's creating the joy for me. What's creating the joy is me having an urge to do something and satisfying it. And again, that will allow you to teach your brain that this current neural pathway that it's offering of have an urge and get it rewarded maybe isn't as useful of a pattern to continue to offer. And like I said, the brain will continue to offer it. It's not like our urges ever go away, but going from the sound of a school bell to a gentle breeze becomes a much more manageable and less noticeable experience. The fourth tip is to practice feeling your feelings. And this doesn't sound very exciting, but to ask yourself, if I didn't eat this food right now, if I didn't grab my phone and start scrolling, what would bubble up for me? What emotions would come up for me that I am trying to resist, that I am trying not to feel? If I didn't grab my phone, I might feel restless. If I didn't grab the cookie, I might feel anxious. Right, And learning to drop into those emotions and to notice where those are in your body and allow them just to be there and experience the truth of your life, that you are a human experiencing negative emotions, allows you to develop the skill to not have to run away from your emotions all of the time. It allows you to develop the skill to feel your feelings, which if you can feel your feelings, then nothing is impossible. So to recap our tips, we have surfing the urge we have taking 30 minutes to redecide, we have putting it on your plan the next day, and we have practicing feeling your feelings. One more thing I do want to add is that there is a difference between physical and emotional hunger, obviously. There is the physical gentle hunger of like, oh, I need fuel, and then the emotional hunger of like the toddler screaming. And I go more in depth into this topic in episode 12 of this podcast, but I want to just add this extra piece as something to consider if you feel like your emotional eating is especially difficult. Sometimes when you have an emotional urge combined with physical hunger, it can make it a little bit more difficult to manage. So what we want to do in that case is we want to give our bodies what they need to be satiated and to be full. So then we can focus simply on the emotional piece so that we aren't confusing, like, am I physically hungry? Am I emotionally hungry? Is it both? Is it one? Is it the other? When you can adequately fuel your body, it will be more clear when those emotional urges come up, and then it will be more clear where your work is to be done. Getting enough protein is a huge and crucial part to all of this. In order to create more satiation, getting enough protein and getting enough fiber will give you a little bit of a leg up so that those emotional moments might be a little bit more clear and not so confused with physical hunger. So you will still get urges when you are physically fueled and full. That is when you have this opportunity to do some of this work. And so to aid in the physical piece, make sure that you are getting enough protein and enough fiber. I usually recommend around 100 grams for women. Of protein per day, and then shoot for 25 grams of fiber in a day. And if you don't know which foods have fiber, Google is a beautiful resource for that. So again, that's just a little side piece that if you're having difficulty differentiating between the physical and emotional hunger, we also want to make sure that your physical hunger is a little bit more in check. There's much more that goes into this. And that's why having a coach help you with this can be really, really useful so that you can actually get those physical cues back where they need to be. So then we can focus on the emotional piece. So with that, if you are interested in working with me, keep in mind that I offer free mini sessions. What that is, is it's a free session with me where we do a little bit of coaching and we talk about what's going on for you and we see if we are a good fit to work together. So if you are interested in having a mini session with me, you can apply for that at the link in the show notes. With that, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.